This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. The experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website, powered by VeriSign, the world's leading domain name provider. Call 800-215-0465. That's 800-215-0465. Best and brightest, we are the Blaze Radio Network. Happy, well, I, Jay Severin, I can't speak for the network. I, Jay Severin, am happy to report to you, even whether or not you're happy, I hope you are, that it was another duper pooper Tuesday for Hillary Clinton. Excelsior! Welcome back, friends, broadcast partners, friends, here on the Blaze Radio Network. Blaze Radio Network. Network. Okay. Uh, I'm Jay Severin. Our number is 1-888-900-3393. 1-888-900-3393. I have no medical transplant update for you today. As such, uh, you know, unless you count the prospect of Trump meeting with the leader of North Korea, which uh, would produce a headline, uh, two nuts. But I'd say for today, we we, we have no uh, strictly medical uh, update. I do have for you the news from last night, uh, but I almost hesitate to make it the headline because I have a cosmic Guru J prediction. I have an earth-shifting, game-changing Project 1237 weight prediction to offer for your consideration. That happens in a moment. First, uh, the headlines of the election. Last night, Toidy Toyed and Toyed Sanders uh, won Oregon. He was not supposed to win a few months ago, but as of a few weeks ago, he was as a result of the rolling uh, Boyne Sanders tide against Clinton. Clinton should have won it, but it is not a shock as we got closer, that Bernie would overtake her there. The biggest Bernie win from last night is the state he lost. And we don't even know yet. I mean, you may, but the latest I checked, the Associated Press, which is it tends to be the arbiter of these things, but even the state of Kentucky itself, as of noon Eastern today, 
the race in Kentucky between Clinton and Sanders was so close that they couldn't call it. So far as I know, this remains, I'm looking at uh, a monitor with Fox on it right now, and it would appear they still cannot call this race. That's how close it is. And let's assume in the end, in the really, really big end, that Hillary wins this. She's still lost. You know what I mean? Bernie Sanders wasn't ever supposed to win Kentucky. Hillary Clinton, as a result of the last round of beatings, went into Kentucky and campaigned full throttle. And, based on their polling and whatever instincts they have, they sent in the first impeached president ever to be elected in the United States. That's not correct. Uh, uh, that's not a correct sentence. The first ever impeached, the first ever elected president to be impeached in the United States, Bill Clinton. They put Bill Clinton into Kentucky, and I mean heavy. And the state that Clinton was supposed to win, that everybody yesterday, everyone in the mainstream media, uh, well, course we're not mainstream media so we can exclude ourselves we can also exclude ourselves because we didn't say we said there was going to be a good chance that bernie would win uh, in kentucky and you know what he could still but let's assume they call it for hillary the very fact that this state i believe she beat obama by 30 points in kentucky And today, today, even if she wins it, she's in a hotel room in the next state where she's trying to stave off humiliation by Bernie Sanders, throwing lamps and screaming obscenities because she couldn't even win Kentucky early enough and surely enough. Believe me, when they, pardon me. When Hillary Clinton's campaign tweeted at about midnight last night, I don't know if that's local or Eastern time, but at about midnight when the Clinton campaign tweeted, this was a this was a, a propaganda move. This was a PR move. They were tweeting to say, we won, we won. They had no idea. They had no bloody idea whether or not they won, and they feared they were losing. But they did this in order to try and push the AP and other arbiters of the election, you know, into saying, well, it looks like Clinton has it. Bottom line, tomorrow's headlines, well, it won't be headlines then, but tomorrow's news is likely to include the following. Uh, Repeat of the fact that Bernie Sanders wins Oregon, but... The mainstream media being behind Clinton as they are, they won't offer you the analysis. You know, they'll say, as expected, Sanders won Oregon. Yeah, as expected in the last three weeks. For the last three years, it was assumed Clinton would win it. But tomorrow it'll say Bernie wins Oregon, Clinton wins Kentucky. Or it ought to say, of course, ekes by 
Or it might say, still too close to call. (laughs) Which is my official commentary. It is a humiliation for her. It is another wake-up call to superdelegates that they may be whistling past the graveyard. That they have these hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of superdelegates, almost all of whom are congressmen and senators and governors, all Democrat VIPs. They've got hundreds and hundreds of delegates in their pocket, reserved from the beginning for Hillary Clinton. Man, you want to talk about rigged. It's the Democrat Party that's rigged. That's where the word applies. When they choose in advance who they want their nominee to be, that puppy is done. That is baked. Well, they've got these hundreds of people who, as we have been discussing for the last couple weeks, are going to have, no, who may face the distasteful prospect of going with their party, going with Hillary, even if the polls indicate that she may well lose, even if the polls indicate that Bernie Sanders, as they now do and have for months. At first, I regarded it as a novelty. Now I'm actually starting to worry about it. I honestly, really, at any point up until a few weeks ago, I would say, oh, please, please, let's run against Sanders. Well, that's, you know... We can all go on vacation between now and the inauguration. Let's run against Sanders. But you know what? There are too many polls too consistently over too long a period of time by numbers too impressive to suggest that Bernie Sanders is a joke in a general election. Bernie Sanders is a turnout machine. Bernie Sanders is a money machine. It depresses me to say it. The the first openly, the first admittedly communist Democrat candidate. They all have been in your lifetime and mine. All the Democrats are communists. But this is the first admitted one. And I admit to you that I never took him seriously. But I will tell you that, that now, I not just because of his surge and his performance, and the other things I mentioned, and who he would turn out, and his numbers and everything else. I'm also looking at whose flesh that comes out of. Don't worry, there's plenty of flesh to spare. It comes out of Hillary. And as a result, Hillary is, a right now, a far more damaged candidate than people realize. And so, I was always thinking, always thinking, and I'm not quite yet prepared to change it, that Hillary will be the next president? I'll tell you what, I'm this close, this close to renouncing that Guru J doctrine because Hillary is such a damaged candidate and frankly, for good or ill, in your view and mine, Donald Trump ain't looking that bad. Jay Severin. On the Blaze Radio Network. The 
Experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website powered by VeriSign, the world's leading domain name provider. Call 800-215-0465. That's 800-215-0465. Jay Severin. On the Blaze Radio Network. Okay, partners, one 888 Here it is. A cosmic headline. A cosmic prediction. I... I conflate those two? No, I don't, because predictions here equal news tomorrow. Recall Project 1237? That was several months ago when we here on this show were the first national media outlet in any medium, so far as I know, to outline the notion that the Republican Party itself might be trying to choreograph, engineer a circumstance to deny 1,237 votes to Trump on a first ballot or any time prior to the convention. Now that's common knowledge come and gone. But before it was even a cousin of conventional wisdom, we had it here. And we talked about it, and we explained it, and it was uh, not merely illuminating. It was brilliant. And did I mention modest? Today, that brilliant exclusive prediction of the Blaze Radio Network may be eclipsed. I say may be eclipsed, believe it or not, yet again by now a new, perhaps even more brilliant, and again exclusive to the Blaze Radio Network, prediction and analysis. It is Project Ryan Rhino. It is Project Ryan Rhino. Under Project Ryan Rhino, which now pretty much replaces Project 1237 as the number one operational priority of the strategy and tactics of the Republican establishment that doesn't want Trump and you know doesn't want Cruz, and I guess they feel they've done away with Ted, and they still don't want Trump. And I know you say, well, look, they're meeting with him and they're talking about supporting him. Yeah, they don't want him. You know that, I know that, he knows that. Under Project Ryan Rhino, The rhinos, the establishment, the RNC, will now, I predict, seek by various means to choreograph and engineer and pervert the way this this election goes such that it will be thrown into the House of Representatives. How do they do that? Well, there's a pretty simple, there's a frighteningly simple plan. And that is throwing a monkey wrench into the works, which I'll explain in a moment, and you may already know, which simply 
is via a third-party candidate, but not a full candidacy. It's just another Kasich. It may be Kasich. But the purpose of the Project Ryan Rhino is to throw the election into the House of Representatives, which means the next president of the United States will be picked by the Speaker of the House, whose name is, yes, Rhino Paul Ryan. This finally may be the most direct, I know, a little fantastic, but the most direct, simplest route for the rhinos to pervert the process, to convert it to their own selfish use, to stop Trump or anyone else they don't favor, and, as much as that, because this is the principal purpose, not merely stopping Trump or stopping Cruz or, or anybody else, but making sure as they always had planned to do, that they would pick and install the nominee of the party, someone they do want. As we discussed this week, starting on Monday, the rhinos will, I predict, engineer, and we may never know it officially, but there will be reports about this. There will be great arguments at screaming and wailing and gnashing of teeth over this. So it's not going to be a secret, believe me. It just may never be proven. But I predict what we will see is the establishment Republicans engineer the entrance into the presidential campaign at some point of a candidate or candidates who can almost certainly win Texas or Florida or any of the must-have states without winning which both Trump and Clinton would be mathematically denied the ability to reach the 270 or 272 electoral college level. Thus throwing the entire election into the U.S. House where Paul Ryan, Rhino Ryan, Speaker Ryan will complete the perversion of the electoral and presidential uh, process, although not illegally asked to risk and pick the next president themselves. Now, if this strikes you as a little bit fantastic... When I say they're going to engineer into the race the entrance of a presidential candidate who can enter for a single purpose, and that is to pick off a single state and then just sit there, it's already happened. John Kasich, if nothing else happens, if they don't go anywhere else or do anything else with anybody else, if John Kasich stays in the race and holds on to his delegates... You know, and you think, okay, maybe he actually then, okay, obviously on the ballots, he doesn't get the nomination. Let's say Trump gets the nomination on whatever, first ballot, second ballot, 10th ballot. But then Kasich jumps back into the race and wins Ohio. And he does it only to win Ohio. It is almost sure that if he holds Ohio, in his back pocket, the race will break down such 
that neither Clinton nor Trump will get to two, to 270. I'm going to call it 270. I should have looked it up like a dope. I forgot. It's either 270 or 272 in the Electoral College. All you need to do to prevent, if everything goes as expected, all you need to do is take out of that mix. You just need to go down like there are a bunch of little stamps and peel off the stamp on the map that says Texas. That's it. Just that. Just Texas. Or just Florida. Or just Ohio, which has already been proven via Kasich, you can do. It could also be Michigan. It could be California. Okay? Lots of different things. The antidote to this is the Trump wins in a landslide. How ironic. J7 on the Blaze Radio Network. Show. And partners, uh, and and let me add at one triple eight nine hundred three three nine three one triple eight nine hundred three three nine three. I need uh, four to five minutes. Um, sorry, one triple eight nine hundred three three nine three. Legally, Project Ryan Rhino. Yes, yes, it's a it's a little fevered, it's a little melodramatic. Legally, this is what the lawyers call within the letter of the law, but not within the spirit of the law. I I, I think I'm safe in saying. And this is, mind you, but theory. But considering all factors available right now for us to consider, and by instinct. Project Ryan Rhino is not implausible. And it certainly meets the selfish objectives of the rhinos, does it not? I mean, does this strike you as a wild conspiracy theory? I admit, we're about to talk to a partner on the phone. And the very first caller today may punch a hole in this as big as the Superdome. And it may just go, you know, and run away like a punctured balloon. I don't know. I've only been thinking about it less than 24 hours. But it seems to me possible. And then I said to myself, if it's possible, did I believe it all this time? And should we believe it all this time when we saw every piece of evidence with our own eyes that the establishment rhinos would do anything to stop Trump from being president and and Ted Cruz or anybody else they thought was detrimental to their selfish interests or their twisted Uh, view of what's good for the party. If you believe that they're willing to do what they need to do to stop X or Y or Z candidate, here, I think, is a cleaner way to do it. it. You know, I challenge myself and you to consider whether it's crazy. Is it impossible? I don't think so. Is it implausible? Yes. It's it's implausible, as in not likely. But does it meet the motives and opportunities and objectives of the rhinos? And yes, yes, and yes. 
That is to say, I believe the Ryan Rhino Project is worth considering. Shall we? Draw nigh and be heard. Joseph from Florida is welcome. Hey, Jay, how you doing? Joseph, I am well. All the better for your call, my dear sir. I just want to say your show is just awful. It's full of awe. <laughs> I thank Jay, you both for the compliment and and for that very facile uh, use of the English language. Jay, I'm getting concerned when you're talking about this this Paul Ryan Rhino uh, Rhino takeover. How come? How come? Even the General Motors of talk radio, Mr. Rush Limbaugh, hasn't mentioned the connection between Mr. Mitt Romney and Paul Ryan. They're pals. They're friends. Don't running tell me mates. Paul Ryan isn't getting running mates. Hmm? It was the last ticket. You know how many? You know how many? Few, how few people, Joe, remember that the last Republican ticket? Paul Ryan was on it. Well, maybe so, but that doesn't change the fact that Mitt Romney is pulling the strings of Paul Ryan. Like oh, no, no, Canada. I'm not. I'm saying it's a supporting fact. It's not. A, it's not a. It's. It's not. It's not a. Uh, a controverting fact. It's a supporting fact. Yeah. No, they are buddies. Buddies enough that they were the running mates on the national ticket last time. Okay, but I I, I listen to CNN, Fox News every night. I'm waiting for someone to make the connection, and no one ever does. It's really frustrating. Well, bear in mind, Joseph, connections like this are the blessing of working in radio. Nobody on television is going to be allowed. Well, okay, the only person allowed on television to go out and say this would be if I called up one of my friends from uh, from television and said, I, you know, I have a wacky, compelling theory for you. And they would have me on as a guest. But only a guest would be allowed, and it would be treated with the highest level of skepticism and contempt, depending on, you know, whether where you appeared. But no, no employee, no anchor, no correspondent of even cable news would ever be allowed to go on and speculate about like project 1237 when we did it or about this. But, but, but I, I try to think a little bit like a combination of things. One of them is like a good detective, you know, and if you, if you, if you have a body, you start thinking about motive and opportunity. You know, who are we going to talk to? Well, you know, who had a motive and who had an opportunity? Well, when I think about this body, Joseph, I look at it and say, is this thing possible to do? I believe it is. And it's a much neater way to kill Donald Trump politically than the other ways. It's less messy, you know. And so the question really, really reverts, Joseph, to were the Republicans, were the RNC Republicans serious about their disdain for Trump? Are they? as serious as we think about their disdain for Trump, would they really go, if they were willing to go to the discussion level of a third-party candidate to run against their own nominee, and there's still people do, Mitt Romney, I believe, is the prime mover in this. 
or was until recently, if they're willing, Joseph, to go that far and that messy to stop Trump, this one is the ice pick to the base of the skull that used to be in detective novels, but, you know, before that became uh, common knowledge because of, you know, uh, NCIC, OC, VD, STD, Miami, and, you know, the TV uh, cop shows. This is a clean kill politically. You got a guy, you get a nut like Kasich, or you convince Rick Perry, jump in, win Texas, sit there, do nothing. Just hold it. Just win Texas, keep it. And we'll tell you what to do with it. You know, strip it off the board. And if the election goes as we think it's going to go, the absence of Texas will render it mathematically impossible for either Republican or Democrat nominees to cross 270 in the Electoral College. And then it could very conceivably be thrown into the House of Representatives. And I'll tell you, you know, what part of this chain is the weakest link? Because once it goes to the House, the rest of this is automatic, Joseph. Automatic. Well, I don't think you have to be a Colombo to see the disdain <laughs> Mitt Romney has for Donald Trump. It's a real, oh. on a personal level, like I've never seen. Yeah. No, I, and, I, I must agree with you. That that is, um, and I've known Mitt Romney. Uh, I, I love him. I've known him and his family for twenty five, thirty years. I, but I, I love him. But I. I believe, as he doubtless has believed about me many times, that he's gone off the rails here. Yes, absolutely gone off the rails. Um, Look, the experiment in the White House, the sociological experiment experiment in the White House is almost over. We can be thankful for that. It's going to be a pleasure not to see Donald Trump bowing to a Chinese emperor or, or a Japanese leader. It's, it, they're going to be following to us for a few, for a bit. Yes. In fact, the, our only doubt will be whether Trump may, you know, haul off and sock one of them in the jaw, uh, which, aside from possibly inciting World War III, would be highly amusing. But, I, but you know, that's the kind of calculated risk that people will take if they decide to vote for Trump. Right. Jimmy, it's time for my nap. My, my nap now. I've, I've done too much thinking. <laughs> Joseph, I'm glad that you didn't feel you could take it here on the show. Uh, although I'm a little distressed that I, I, I have had the effect on you of a cup of warm milk. But uh, I, I'm, I'm glad you are there as a partner, and I hope to hear back from you soon. All right, folks, in a moment I will uh, make my at least planned closing statement on Project Ryan Rhino and see if you have anything to say about it. Most important to me is if you can speak to its, uh, to, to its, its, its practicality. That is to say, is there a reason? Is there something I'm missing that renders it impossible? I already know it's implausible. I already know it's a little fantastic. But I also know how much the RNC wants to stop Donald Trump. And a lot of us think they've given up. I don't think so. This is Jay Febron on the Blaze Radio Network. 
This is the Jay Severin Show. Meet me in St. Louis. Dan, it doesn't rhyme, but that's the truth. Dan, welcome. Jay, I love your show, and I, I love that, that the hat that you put on each and every day, uh, working with the campaigns over the, the decades that you've worked with them. I've got an interesting take for you. Well, by the way, has thank said, you, and I admire your superior judgment and taste. But there go you go. Okay, I've got an interesting take for you. Uh, uh, Mr. Trump has said quite a few times that he, you know, he can work with Nancy Pelosi, he can work with Harry Reid. Has he not? Yeah, depressingly, he has. He has. Okay, so what about this take? I heard you mention earlier in your show, if there's actually been a total fraud, it's been on the Democratic side with what they're doing to Bernie, the Barney Fife. They're, they're screwing this man royally. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I didn't say fraud. I said rigged, uh, which falls in a netherworld between legal and illegal, it seems to me. But uh, just, you know, I want to be careful with my what I plead to. I, I didn't say fraud, but rigged. Okay, first what about cousin. This take? What about this take? Donald comes in, and if he feels that this thing's going to be stolen from him, grabs Bernie Sanders and says, I'm going to use you, take you as my vice president. We're going to work together for the youth, for those conservatives, for America. We're going to make America great again. And we're going to put our heads together, Barney, Fife, you and I, and we're going to make this country great again. And you think Bernie would fall in with it? Sadly. I mean, first of all, I salute you for thinking. You, you keep thinking, Butch. That's what you're good at. Remember that line? Anyway, uh, you, you keep thinking, Dan. That's what you're good at. And, and you're being thoughtful. And I love that. Um, and you bring up something which is... Uh, I don't need something else to defend because people suspect I'm going to vote for uh, Trump, and they're not wrong. Uh, but I must admit, what you say makes some sense, and the most sense it makes, w- once you're within the bubble of your construct, is that the person that would say no to that suggestion first and most emphatically would be Bernie. Let me ask you this then, Jay. Why so, hold on. And what I mean by that, I, I guess you already know what I mean by that, but just to make it clear, if I haven't made myself clear, I think Trump is essentially, uh, you know, a machine. And he would say, well, what, are you telling me that if I take on Sanders, because I don't care who I take on, I'm the boss. You know, I'll stick him in an office in the Rayburn House office building in the bathroom for four years. No one will ever see him again. But he's going to help me get elected better than anybody else. Let's take him. So I think Trump, I can see Trump saying that. Sanders, believe it or not, would be the one, the principled one in the, in your scenario and say, run with Trump. Hey, Gavalt, no. To lose, Jay. Pardon me? What would he have to lose in a situation? They're, 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 they're rigging the system. Who? Who's he? Bernie, Bernie. Bernie Sanders. What would Bernie have to lose by, by, by rejecting it? His principles. Does he have principles? Yes. I believe he's he got does. more principles than the, anybody running. I okay. don't I, like I, I, those I, principles. I, I don't agree with them, but I don't think there's any, in my mind, personally, 
there is no question that Bernie Sanders is the most principled. Uh, I mean, Hitler was principled. You know, well, Genghis Khan was principled. Vlad the Impaler was principled. You know, the men of strong principle ain't always good. Mussolini was principled. Obama is principled. He's a communist like Sanders. But if he, if he uh, of the three candidates right now, I'm sorry? If he's that principled, which I agree with you, first of all, I agree. He is the only one telling the truth. But if he really uh, no, that, I disagree day, with. But... See, principled does not mean you're telling the truth. Principled means you are unyieldingly subscriber to your own version of the truth and you won't bend that could be a good or a bad thing the principles are not right they're not always good but bernie has him uh they're not the truth though he's not he's speaking the truth as he believes it but it isn't the truth right but if he's, he's a marxist i agree with it he is telling the truth but if he's but if he's telling You're the truth just said he's not I said he's not telling the truth. He's telling what he believes to be so. But he is a Marxist-Leninist. He is the progenitor of the most evil system in mankind's history. This is Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back. Best and brightest, we are the Blaze Radio Network. And if you're looking for a change from campaign news from Trump and Clinton, I hope you'll listen to me anyway. Excelsior! Welcome back, friends. I'm Jay Severin. We are the Blaze Radio Network. one 888 Change? Are you kidding? Give this up? This is the most exciting thing happening to Americans, for Americans, in hundreds of years. I'm not giving this up. That doesn't mean all politics all the time. It never is. Never has been. But I'll tell you what. Show me a more exciting story than the campaign, and we're doing it. But show me a more exciting story than the campaign. Oh, right now, this is this is beautiful. By the way, uh, Donna, Boston translation, Donna, has sent me a tweet which, like almost all of her other tweets, is extremely worthwhile, and this was the one I had feared. Though I love Donna, I, this is the one I had feared because I said at the beginning of the show, look, my project Ryan Rhino could have holes. Someone could punch a hole in it the size of the Superdome today. I don't know. <clears throat> Pardon me. That's why I invite you to think along with me 
Is there something that renders this impossible? However implausible it may be. And and Project Ryan Rhino is very, very simply, shortly, is that I don't believe the Republican establishment has surrendered. I mean, we're seeing them pursue and surrender a number of options to stop Donald Trump. And because it appears they are, at least for the moment, it appears they have abandoned the idea of running against themselves, you know, i.e. by finding and putting up a third, quote-unquote, third-party candidate to run against themselves, their own nominee. They seem to have abandoned that for the moment. So let's assume for the moment that they have abandoned that. Do you believe that they believe that that was their last and only chance to stop Donald Trump? Do you believe, as I do, that they are still intending to derail Donald Trump somehow, some way, preferably before he gets the nomination, or if necessary, after he gets the nomination. I do. Pardon me. I believe they're that serious. I believe they are that committed to no Trump. But Donna writes, inciting the uh, what is uh, apparently uh, federal law on the matter if the house is caused to pick the next president because no one gets to the magic number in the electoral college the house is bound by law to pick one of the top three vote getters now the first If I'm a lawyer for the rhinos, the first thing I'm looking for is top three vote-getters of what, when, where? Is there some way to twist this? Is there a hole here? Is there some way to say, okay, somebody else was a top three vote-getter because it doesn't say top three vote-getter in the national primaries? So maybe I could say this guy is a top three vote-getter. And you say, who's that? Oh, this is Henry Schultz. He was a top three vote getter for dog catcher in Xenia, Ohio. He lost, but he was a top three, well, third, frankly, vote getter. He only got 11 votes, but he's a top three vote getter. It doesn't say in federal law a top three vote getter in what election. So if I'm trying to lawyer this, that's the first thing I'm looking for, but Now we're in the realm of the absolutely insane, Uh, and I try to limit that. So my explorations in that valley. So Donna may have punched a hole in Project Ryan Rhino. Maybe they can't do that. Maybe they can't throw this into the House of Representatives. Now, they may not have a choice. Bear that in mind. Who would be the top three vote-getters? You know what's interesting? Let's just say, to salvage something of my theory, not to mention my dignity, Donna, suppose it does go in to the House of Representatives. Let's say without any help from the rhinos. Let's say they leave their hands off it, at least so far as we know, and nobody gets the the election so close that nobody gets the magic electoral college number, and it does go to the House. And that... They can't weasel out of 
the restrictions on their choice to the top three vote-getters. The top three vote-getters would, we expect, be Clinton. Oh, you know what? It would be it would be Clinton, Trump, and Sanders. No, no, wouldn't. No, wouldn't. Well, no, not, no, no, wouldn't in the general election. But see, he, here is where this possible hole with top three vote-getters. Clearly, if... If the law says top three vote-getters, can the law mean only an election in which there were two candidates? Or the top three vote-getters nationally as a result of all of the combined votes cast in the presidential primaries? Because then it's Sanders, Clinton, and Trump. All right, I'm going to stop hitting this poor dead horse. Uh, but Donna, thank you. And we'll have to think about this. So there, there is that. Well, uh, Rich is calling from White Plains, which uh, raises a special memory in me. Rich, White Plains was the archetypal suburb in which every character, every family... Uh, in all of the sitcoms I grew up on, that's where everybody lived. Even if it didn't say White Plains or showed the train station, that's where everybody lived. They lived in White Plains pretty much. And um, I'll stop there. It, it, Rich, if you've lived there a long time, you've seen a lot of change. Rich, welcome. Thank you. Yeah, I think you're probably remembering... Um... Oh, what was her name? The Mary Tyler Moore Show? Didn't they yes. live in New Rochelle? Yes, yes. And I and I kind of lumped New Rochelle in with White Plains because they they were sociologically virtually identical for so long. Yeah, and um, boy, there's so many references to Westchester in so many movies as the oh yeah northern suburbs of the city. Yeah, um, sure. And if it, you could afford it, you went to Connecticut within a 50-minute uh, arc. You know, there's that 50-minute train arc. And and if you could afford it, you went to Connecticut. And if you couldn't, you went to Westchester, which is not to say that Westchester was a poor choice or for poor people. Uh, uh, but just, you know, it was... Connecticut was seen as tonier, and then there was Westchester equally, equally. You know, I mean, you could talk about places even still like Bedford and uh, Bedford Hills and a lot of other places... But um, for the most part, I said I wouldn't say anything else, but for the most part, it is pretty much imploded into a um, a lot of it's now a uh, pretty much looks like Mogadishu. It does. Well, I don't mean to insult your city. I just mean the general experiment of 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 White Plains has in many cases for many reasons uh, become uh, dysfunctional because of, uh, services, public services and public housing and, uh, crime and lots the white plains of my childhood is not the white plains of today. Now it, it could, it could, and is, and, and, and almost certainly is where you live in white plains, but it used to be that you could, you couldn't walk down any street in Westchester County at three o'clock in the morning with hundred dollar bills stuck to you that you ever had to worry uh, about losing one of them. Yes, it has changed, Jake. It, it has. You're right. It has changed. 
But, but uh, in any case, let's talk about your favorite topic, you know, and uh, uh, the campaigns. And, um, of course, um, there was much to do about this Megyn Kelly interview with Donald Trump. Yes. Uh, Interested right? in talking about that. You know what, Rich, though? In order to give you the time without breaking it up that I have already stolen from you, I want to pay it back with interest, which requires that you are gracious enough to hold while we take this quick break. The Jay Severin Show, only on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to the Blaze Radio Network. Rich was kind enough to hold. Rich, you've got the floor. Yeah, Jay. Um, what we were bringing up the Megyn Kelly Donald Trump interview, and I got to tell you, I I actually didn't watch it because if I listen to Donald Trump anymore, my my head's going to explode. You know, like in the movie <laughs> Mars Attacks. You know, when they when the, <laughs> the you know when the Martians hear the country music, and, I mean that's yes. going to happen if I listen. But well, but I'm pretty I'm pretty knowledge of it, knowledgeable of it before, during, and after. So, um, uh, you know, if, if questions you have, fire away. If re, if comments, fire away. I I heard the soundbite they're playing on the newscasts when Megyn Kelly asks what it would, what it would mean if he lost, uh, if he didn't become president, and he he says uh, it would be a complete waste of time and money, and I'm thinking. Is that all the presidency means to this guy? I mean, what a, what a far cry from our founding fathers, wealthy landowners who risked their time, money, and lives for our freedom. And, um, you know, Trump is no patriot. Make America great again. It's just a campaign slogan like hope and change. You never hear Trump use words like freedom, liberty, constitution at, at, at his rallies. I mean... A civic-minded, constitutional conservative, conservative and patriot would have described losing the general election as a missed opportunity to take this country back to principles of our founding fathers based on limited government, uh, free markets, and Judeo-Christian ethics. But, but for Trump, oh, it's, you're wasting my time. Are, are you at all curious why I haven't jumped in yet? I'm ranting. No, because you're saying it better than I could. It, it's platinum star, bingo, bang on. That this is not the first time Trump has said this, and it broke my heart the first time I heard it. it broke my heart not because I was surprised that he would say it. It broke my heart that we are in a position such. We citizens are in a position such that of the two major choices we have to lead our nation, one is a criminal and a communist, and the other is someone who would dishonor the office and the blessed, sacred privilege of being in a position to seek the presidency of the United States of America by saying, Ah, you know, if I don't win, it's a complete waste of, you You had two of the three, time, money, and effort. 
So he sees nothing honorable in it other than winning. And so to run honorably, which, of course, I don't know if that includes him, but to run honorably for this sacred office and not win is a total waste, apparently, in his view. And that makes me very sad. I think I think he revealed himself. I think this is one of the many Freudian slips, you know, because he's this babbling stream of consciousness, and and you know he will blurt out, you know, what's on his mind. And I think that this really reveals um, the the narcissist billionaire um, who wants to become president for him, you know, for himself, not for the benefit uh, of Americans. I mean, nobody. Although let's not. Let's not paint all stream of consciousness babblers with a broad brush, shall we? I start to get a little anxious. (laughs) (laughs) No, you nailed it. You nailed it. And I admire you not just because of your high political IQ in nailing it, but because of the things you may have chosen. And God help us, there are a number you know, this is the one that most offended you because it's the one that most offends me. It's that what you're really saying is the president's he's, he's really kind of saying, isn't he? What the presidency is to him, which is it's another building. It's another golf. It's another golf course. You know, I'm, I'm wondering why Jay, that, you know, I didn't watch the interview. Like I said, you know, I, I would have to uh, wrap my head in Kevlar first. Um, <laughs> it, it, but, um, but uh, it, you know, the soundbite that they chose to play, I mean, from a Trump-friendly media, was one that I found, you know, disgusting. So, you know, maybe they made a mistake. Yeah, well... Um... You know, this the thing that I, I was already sick of the interview and had seen it three times before it broadcast because Fox has been promoting it so heavily. And and while I go back a ways with Megyn Kelly, me personally, I mean, in my fantasy world, I, I, I don't mean actually with her. But we're, we, we go way back only just with me. Um, I, I, you know, I, I'm starting to I'm starting to. Like, uh, I want to be kind here, but Megan is starting to strike me as a little too cute by half. Exactly. Every time I hear her say, this isn't about me, three seconds later, she interrupts someone who's making a comment so she can bring the conversation back to me. Oh, absolutely. And in her regular show, her regular programming... She's always um, just trying to be so cute with with things that have nothing to do with what she's talking about, and she makes these cute gestures and 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 aren't I cute? And um, and you know, uh, too much, like you said, by a half. Yeah, I liked it more when she was, you know, working really hard to make it. That Megan. Yeah. This Megan strikes me as a little too precious. Yeah, she was more objective um, years ago. Well, uh, I suppose that that doesn't exactly place us in the Henry Kissingerian category, you know, here by analyzing Megyn Kelly's broadcast style. But 
I, I guess it's worth saying. Yeah. By the way, the broadcast uh, got uh, what was it? Four and a half million, Seb, something like that. And, and 4.8. yeah, four point eight. All right, almost five million. But I don't think that's enough to have been adjudged a for anyone who cares. As long as we're talking about it, I don't. I, I think on Fox. You'll hear it adjudged, uh, you know, tremendous slam dunk, unbelievable. Uh, she's the Wayne Gretzky, the next Wayne Gretzky, you know, of interviewers, whatever. But those numbers, um, to give you an example, four point eight million, which is what uh, Megyn Kelly premier. I mean, with Trump, which means the numbers may never get higher. Right? It's the debut show. It's Donald Trump at the apex of the interest in him and her, Rich. And last night it got 4.8, okay? CSI Miami last night got 17 plus. So, you know, just by way of perspective. Quick, the, the Rich, I appreciate the call. Um, I, I think we may have lost you, but in any case, thank you. Uh, call back soon. I do apologize for the unkind remarks, although not inaccurate, I think, about parts of White Plains and Westchester having become almost third world. Jay Severin, the Blaze Radio Network. On the Blaze Radio Network. And partners on the Blaze Radio Network. The latest in the Civic Circus Maximus, whatever that is, was talked about last week here on our show. Whatever is going to happen tonight, (coughs) tomorrow, is what we're talking about today. Anything in the realm of the Civic Circus Maximus, whether it's the Grammys and somebody twerking all about the stage in front of your family or whether it's Donald Trump politically twerking all about in front of you and your families. And we're talking about the guy I'm going to vote for in all likelihood. Very quickly, and I haven't I haven't yet said this at any time. Well, that's not entirely true. I've said it in other words a thousand times. But let me say it here in case anyone wishes to challenge me or to think about it and challenge me later. This is my on-the-record statement. I mean, this is, if you like, my tweet. I'll tweet this after the show to get it on the record. <clears throat> but here, here's my on-the-record statement about where I, where I stand. Part one, the preface, is that I've always been in the same place about who, for whom I'm going to vote. I have never, ever changed my position, not once, on Trump or anybody else. I may have changed my position on saying who I thought would, you know, do well in the debate or who I thought would do well in a certain primary, but I've never, ever varied in my commitment long before I joined the Blaze Radio Network and every day since. I'm going to vote for the nominee of the Republican Party. Period. Hey, hey, you know, full stop. There it is. 
Uh, I, I, that's that. So th- there it is. There it has been. There it remains. Now, as to my operational statement for right now in the present tense, Donald Trump is, Donald Trump represents a considerable, comparative risk, a considerable, comparative risk. Please, please, at least later, recall these words because I'm not speaking them spontaneously. I lay awake last night formulating this because I had to get it down to words. I had to get it down to 140 characters, not for Twitter's sake, just for so I could say it in a sentence. <clears throat> Donald Trump represents a considerable but comparative risk of perhaps deep disappointment as opposed to the certainty, the absolute certainty of profound socialism and ruin. Donald Trump represents a considerable, though comparative, risk of perhaps deep disappointment versus the certainty of socialistic ruin. That's why. That's why. Now, to get back to these remarks I made about White Plains, I've already, I let them stand. I said what I wanted to say. But I just want to make sure that what I said was, I'm going to repeat them only to make sure they're understood because I realize from, you know, this isn't my first radio show, so I know how they could be misunderstood. When I said that White Plains had become like a third world operation, maybe second world would be a better description. My point is that when honest sociologists look at models of cities and suburbs, White Plains, New Rochelle, Westchester County, New York, which is when you cross the Hudson River, you get beyond Spite and Dival and the Upper West Side, you cross over the Hudson River, Manhattan is an island. Once you cross it to the north, you hit some very tony suburbs uh, like Bronxville. You should be so lucky as to live in Bronxville. I should be so lucky as to live in Bronxville. Okay, but then you hit Westchester County. Westchester County is the county above the island of Manhattan, above New York City. And it borders uh, the, the, the ocean on the east and, the, and Connecticut on the west. And it goes up to southern Dutchess County. Westchester County has been the crown jewel of American suburban living for 75 years. I mean, until it wasn't. What I'm saying is, I grew up when, no matter where you lived in West, virtually no matter where you lived in Westchester County, it was safe, it was clean, everything worked, 
everything, you know, it was what it was supposed to be. It was a bedroom community for people who worked in Manhattan. The top business executives in the world lived in Westchester County, and some of them still do, although the area of the geographic area, which is still Westchester County as we think of it or thought of it in 1970, is now restricted to several tiny villages, a couple of which I've named, where life is still as it was in 1970. That's largely thanks to zoning, because you know all of the houses were built 150 years ago, and it, it, it's like 10-acre zoning. It's impossible to have a neighbor that you can ever see, unless you want to, you'll never see another human being, you know, if you live in Bedford, New York, or Bedford Hills, or some of these places. They're wonderful, okay? But but anywhere nearer the city of White Plains, the city of New Rochelle, uh, the, these other places, despite 50, 70 years of trillions of dollars in spending, and the very quote unquote best intentions of social engineers read liberals. This once idyllic location, this once idyllic suburbia of America, America's first model suburb, and it was Westchester County, New York, where everybody every morning drove in. When, you, when that was still sane to do, uh, or got on the train and took a, you know, a 35-minute ride and got off at Grand Central and went to their job in Manhattan. That once idyllic model suburb now has all of the problems of illegitimacy, illiteracy, crime, drug addiction, every urban woe that you could ever list the South Bronx, which uh, East St. Louis, Oakland, though I don't know Oakland well enough to tell you where in Oakland, every major metropolitan area has an unfortunate East, West, North, North or South location, which has become like Venezuela or Mogadishu or 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 the poorer parts in India or you know have become second third world and the mystery of this the mystery of this is no one has an explanation for this at least not one they're willing to articulate no one can explain this we have poured more money into Westchester County in social experimentation and support. You, wherever you live, I wish there were a way to do this. I wish I could see the number of dollars. I wish I could see the bag of dollars that come just from you in your lifetime that you've been taxed that have gone to Westchester County in an effort to just maintain it. I mean, I don't think anybody was was saying, we're going to make life in New Rochelle twice as good as it is now. 
I mean, let's not get trippy here. I mean, I think the object here was to, the objective was to, let's just keep it at least as nice, within reason, as nice as it is. As nice a place to live as it is now. Just, you know, within shouting distance of as nice as it is now. And there are parts of Westchester County that in terms of the grime, grind, crime, the the physical deterioration of services, of of social life, of safety, of of quality of life uh, rival those lower regions of the worst urban areas in America. I mean, I, I'm, I'm sure there are some people that, given the choice between the worst parts of Newark, New Jersey, or South Philadelphia, or East St. Louis, or the South Bronx in New York, or or any other place you don't want to be is you know, if you showed them parts of White Plains, they would not believe they were in White Plains unless, of course, they didn't grow up with, you know, they don't know. I'm old enough to have grown up with White Plains with what, and again, I keep saying White Plains. What I mean is Westchester County, the idyllic bedroom communities of the Madison Avenue executive in New York. And what I don't get is why and how places in Westchester County went from these idyllic places to places now of danger, crime, illegitimacy, illiteracy, rape, robbery, drug use, all, all the urban, imaginable urban ills. How did it go from what it was to what it is now? And why? And won't somebody who studies this for a living explain it to us? Jay Severin, the Blaze Radio Network. This is the Jay Severin Show on the Blaze Radio Network. While I'm flailing around uh, on the cusp of insulting locations, let me insult tastes, too. Uh, Sebastian and I were just discussing eras of music, which was occasioned by my notice on a commercial here. <coughs> Pardon me. That... Uh, that uh, Peter Frampton. Now, right now, rippling across the Blaze Radio Network audience. Really, think of it as a ripple. Think of it as if I took a rope and I bang, shook it. Okay, That bump that would ripple across the rope. Right now, there's a ripple that's gone across the Blaze Radio Network. And part of that ripple has said, oh, Peter Frampton. And that's broken into two parts. That's Peter Frampton... Wow, cool. And 
the knowledgeable part, people knowledgeable of music with good taste in in music, say, oh, Peter Frampton, I'm about to throw up in my own mouth. Then the other half of the ripple says, who? Like, what fossil is this that Jay has dug up from his long ago youth? So I don't know which side of the ripple you're on, but I'm on the... Peter Frampton, oh, Peter Frampton side of the ripple, and I want to throw up in my own mouth. Uh, and because uh, I just saw a commercial that said Peter Frampton, Grammy winning best guitarist. <laughs> best guitarist? Are we talking about different instruments here? Guitarist Peter Frampton? I know someone's going to write to me and say, did you never listen to the Alive album? We used the Alive album as a doorstop or a Frisbee if we lost ours because we were too stoned to remember where we put it like the day before. Are you kidding me? Peter Frampton and guitar do not belong in the same sentence. You realize by doing that, by placing them in the same sentence, that is sacrilegious. You are defiling the gods of guitar. Eric Clapton, Jimi Hendrix, Johnny Winter, Stevie Ray Vaughan, uh, Jimmy Page, Leslie West, some would say. I would be among them. Uh, and a couple others that, forgive me, I'm forgetting. Oh, did I forget Pete Townsend? Good, because he sucks. Uh, but you, you're talking about defiling the gods of real electric guitar and blues and rock. And, you know, the great thing is, well, it's not a great thing. It's, it's a pity. I should have brought this up at 3 o'clock because chances are more of us would have cared to argue about it than to argue about Trump. The Jay Severin Show. Only on the Blaze Radio Network.